Welcome back to the Faith Friday Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Summers. Today, I'm here with Pastor Dave from the Free Methodist Church right next to campus. How are you doing today, Pastor Dave? I'm doing well. Having fun in this day, man. Yeah, yeah. We're recording this on a Wednesday, and it's a little little dreary outside. Oh, it's yucky. <laughs> a little cold, a little rainy. It's kind of, you just, you get inside where it's nice and warm, and you settle in, and you just kind of want to take a nap. That's right. That's <laughs> One of those right. days. I want to start with kind of your background, um, where you grew up, yeah. how you ended up at the Free Methodist Church here in town. What, what did that journey look like for you? Yeah, it's a huge story. Oh, I, I love huge stories. Um, Let's hear it. My dad was a pastor, so I was raised in the church. I, to be honest with you, like I didn't go through that typical thing that a lot of Christian kids go through where they've got to go out and do all the wild stuff. And, <laughs> Yeah, like, I I didn't go through a lot of that. The pastor's kid stereotypical yeah. rebellion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I knew some of those guys, but for some reason, I don't know. Part of it is because my dad was a pastor. I saw a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and I knew which ways I didn't want to go with life. Yeah. And so I, you know, I just I I didn't seek out ministry, but I never really ran for ministry and doors just opened and Michigan is home. Hmm, Okay. So we ended up, um, I ended up getting married, had two kids when I went to college. Um, so like I I have a completely non-traditional kind of life (laughs) with stuff and, and got into ministry a little bit later in life and uh, it's been quite the journey. Yeah. So it was your dad also a pastor in the free methodist church or no he was in the wesleyan church okay okay so wesleyan church and free methodist church really are a lot alike um there's not a lot of wesleyan churches down around this area um there's a lot there are a lot alike. the government structure runs a little bit different so Mm -hmm. um like i started in ministry in my dad's church as the youth pastor um and then i had uh, we had a friend that we had gotten to know that was pastor of a free Methodist church that asked me to join him on staff at his church. And so that's how I switched over from Wesleyan to free Methodist churches. I just had this neat opportunity to, to be part of something different. So, yeah, well, there you um, go. The Lord nice just and, opens doors. Yeah. So you, so you got into ministry a bit later in life you yeah. did college when you already you started college when you already had two kids is that right yeah and so what um how old were they when you finished when you graduated man grade school um uh, my son would have been we have two children uh, my son is is the younger of the two. it seems to me like they would have been late grade school yeah um uh when when we got done i so the pastor that i went to work for mm-hmm. um i was on staff as their director of christian education i didn't have my degree yet okay so i was i was basically there because i loved ministry and ministry's always been part of my life it just wasn't always a full-time job right so this guy hired me onto his church. I was with him for a couple of years and he looked at me. It was three years and he called me into the office and he said, Dave, did you ever get the feeling like you're um, 
like you're missing something. And I said, like, what? And he said, I think you need to get your degree. Mm. He said, you're at a place in ministry where um, I think I'm holding you back. You need to you need to get a degree and see where the Lord's going to take this. Yeah. So that's why, you know, like I left a full-time position in ministry and went to Indiana Wesleyan College uh, University in Marion, Indiana, and did that, crammed that into just a little over three years. Oh, wow. Uh, I turned 30. When I was in college. And that's so, a full bachelor's degree that you crammed into three years? Yeah. Wow, that's intense. Yeah. That's like 18 credit hours a semester, right? Yeah, I Whew. did. Uh, so, Especially I mean, being married at the same time. Well, and, oh, like kids. I didn't live, I didn't live the life that college people have to live. Yeah. You know, I yeah, didn't have you to, got to do a lot of the extracurricular kind of things that people do. Right. Um, so you I, got to cut out. So really for you, the college experience was really just the book work and learn and actually taking in the knowledge and take it in. I, I yeah. was all about, it was all about learning. That's awesome. Um, I didn't have, um, you know, I didn't hang out at the dorm until <laughs> three in the morning. You know, I did all of the, I did all of the stuff that a dad with two kids would do. I yeah. went home, my wife was working. So in the afternoons I was home with the kids when they got out of school and, mm-hmm. I didn't have any place to go for the summer, so I took classes right through the summer. Oh yeah, that makes so sense. I just yeah, it yeah. it just it it was a long three plus years, but we got it all in and and it was a great experience. I yeah. wouldn't wouldn't trade it for the world. My kids loved it. Uh, we were dorm parents for one of the dorms, and so my kids grew up around college kids and all yeah. of that, and so. It was a cool experience. So you were in full-time ministry. Mm -hmm. Then you left full-time ministry to study to be in full-time ministry. Correct. That's kind of awesome. That's That's, kind of weird is what it is. Yeah, it is. It's a little weird, but, but I I just think that's really, it's, it's interesting to see how the Lord works so uniquely in people's lives. Cause I, I know a lot of people who are like, um, there, I've met a lot of people that, you know, right out of high school, they're like, I want to go into ministry right. and just, just go straight for it. And they're thinking, I'm going to be, you know, be a youth pastor by the time I'm 24 and right. then I'm going to, and they have kind of this plan set out. And then, you know, I've met a lot of other people who are, um, you know, they, they start their college experience and, you know, they go to a Christian university and then they're thinking like, Hmm. I don't think I'm in the right major. Right. And then they just really sense a call while they're at college to um, f- switch to a, a ministry degree. Right. And I mean, and I mean, even um, Chris Gates, um, who I'm not sure if you know, yeah. Chris, yeah. but he had kind of uh, a similar experience where he, um, he wanted to do theater stuff. And then he ended up just following where the Lord was leading him and he ended up doing a communications degree and um, almost a full, a full Bible degree. Right. And I I just find it incredible because it, what it shows is that like, no matter what kind of your, your journey looks like, um, if the Lord is calling you into ministry, 
and and you you've you know those doors are opening up and you're kind right. of being led down that way it doesn't count it doesn't really matter where you're at along the journey as long as you're continuing to be faithful and seeking him right so that's that's hugely encouraging that yeah. you know it's just you watch and see what god does and mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's there's a lot of unique pieces to the story that are that are really fascinating so this guy that hired me um we met him at a concert out in the middle of the upper peninsula of Michigan and invited him over to my parents' house where I'll say I'm on staff with my dad, his youth pastor, and we invited this this couple over to my parents' house to play games. The week before that happened, my wife and I were walking home and she's, and we both said, God's doing something. I don't know what it is, but there's something that's up. Um, there's going to be a change that's coming. I can just feel God's doing something. So here we are at this house playing games with these friends and we wanted to have a game. We wanted to play a game that we didn't have. And I said, well, I know where it is. I lent it to a friend. I looked at Dwight and said, Dwight, this is this guy, this friend of ours that we had, just kind of connected with. I said, let's go for a ride. And so we went for a ride. And I found out that Dwight told his wife while they were driving to our house, I think I need to offer Dave a job, but the only way I'm going to offer him a job is if I can get him alone. I can't sit there in front of his dad and offer him a job. So let's just watch and see if there's a chance for me to get alone with Dave. And so then I asked him, to go so we went three blocks to get a to get a a game from a house and we were gone i think an hour and 15 minutes (laughs) people didn't put all the pieces together but it's so unique when i look back at this story how many little pieces to it god was doing just to orchestrate something miraculous at just the right time and it doesn't matter if you're in ministry it doesn't matter what it is if you're if you're a person that is that that is after and seeking after God, there are little miracles that can happen all the way through if you just watch and see. So, my like my story's filled with just a lot of unique little things of mm-hmm. then that happened and then this happened and and a lot of times you don't even notice or see any of those things until like you can see them retrospectively. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like even me, even me coming to Central, like my college experience was absolutely terrible before I went to a college and like, it just, it did not work out. Um, I ended up trying to like, to just afford summer housing. I was working 70 hours a week between two different jobs and I didn't have a vehicle. It was miserable. And then I tried to go to a different college and then financial aid didn't come through. So I came out of my first college experience and like trying to transfer, just completely defeated. I'd given up on college. I, I, had basically settled on, okay, I'm probably not going to do anything. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll go to Wichita. And then I heard about Central from people at my church in, um, my church in Salina. Yeah. And so they brought me up and started introducing me to people. And soon enough, I'm, I'm seeing kind of the scholarships that I'm being offered and different things that different opportunities that I'd have here that would make my uh ability to be here um much more manageable good good and 
Um, so just seeing God's provision with that was really awesome. Seeing this this college I'd literally never heard of right. just show up on my radar all of a sudden right. with the exact degree that I wanted the first time I went to college Good. that the other colleges didn't have. Yeah, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, God's awesome. That's that's yeah. great. Okay, um, so that's. Good, it, but it, but it, I didn't. I had no idea about any of that when I was experiencing the pain of the seventy-hour work right, <laughs> work right. weeks, um, and I didn't know that when my other when the other college didn't let me um, didn't let me study there, didn't let me right. in because I my financial aid wouldn't come through, and I I, I just didn't know any of that, yeah. and, it, and it was still another year before I even heard about Central living a, a year living in Salina in a state that I'd only been to like once in my life, and um but, but I just had no idea. Good. So Good. I think yeah. it's just retrospective, we and we can really so see those little miracles like you said. Absolutely. In retrospective. Absolutely. You so, look back at it, yeah. and sometimes it's even during really terrible. Mm yucky times Mm -hmm. but but i look back at some of those times that included huge amounts of hours and as a young guy with uh we got married way too young um had to learn all the lessons that you have to learn (laughs) only we just did it as a couple young punks and we went through some really hard difficult times and you Mm -hmm. look back at that retrospective kind of thing and say oh look how about that? We were in the right place at the right time for that. Yeah. Know? So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned you had kind of transferred from the Wesleyan mm-hmm. um, church into the free Methodist. Um, was that, was the transferring into the free Methodist church, was that coming straight into McPherson or were you somewhere else before? Um, were you somewhere else in the Free Methodist Church before coming to McPherson? Yeah, we were in we were in Michigan. Okay, um, I was in Midland, Michigan. It's a couple hours north of Detroit. Okay. Um, the the unique, you know, where the story gets a little bit more unique is is the Free Methodist Church that I was on staff as the director for Christian education. That pastor mm-hmm. that told me I should probably that I needed to go to college. When I got done with college, I didn't know where to go. And I was going to go back <laughs> to the Wesleyan church because that's where my roots were. Right. And so I figured, and we went to a couple churches, nothing felt right. It mm-hmm. just didn't, it wasn't going to open up. And this same guy, Dwight called me back up and said, Dave, I've got a unique opportunity. I'm wondering if you would come back as, and, and be on staff with me again. And so I went back to Midland again as a staff person okay, with a totally different job. Um, and then he was there for another two years. And then he took a different position. And then I was appointed the senior pastor at that church, which was a God thing. To, I mean, I'm a kid that really kid uh, like I, I was married with two kids but I didn't have a whole lot of ex- pastoral experience mm-hmm. but I had experience at that church and so I was able to be appointed as the senior pastor there was there for 20 years over 20 years and um, be 
before we came here. So this, mm-hmm. the McPherson Church, is the second church that I've pastored. Okay. So, like, I don't have a wide range right. of experience. I have a lot of experience in a couple different places, you yeah. know. And, you um, know, I think that's I think that's actually extraordinarily valuable for pastors specifically. Yeah. Because then you get to know your congregation on a personal level. Oh, you get to yeah. know your people. Which, and, and I mean, I was just thinking, like, the huge blessing to be able to step into your first pastoral role in a place where you already know the yep. people, where you yep. already have connections built. So yep. now when you're stepping into this pastoral role, you already know, um, you already know kind of some of the things that um, maybe people are wrestling with or some, some of the thoughts people are having and you already know how to walk with them. And now Absolutely. you're giving, you're now you're being given that opportunity to walk with them in a pastoral yeah. way. Yeah. Um, so you, was that church in Midland, was that Wesleyan yep. or was that Free Methodist? That was Free Methodist. That was Free Methodist. Yep. And so how did you end up um, at the Free Methodist Church here? It kind of happened that? the same way it did when my wife and I went for a walk and said, you know, it really <laughs> feels like God's up to something. After 20 years at the church, um, we loved the church. There was nothing wrong. We had seen good growth. We were a church that... And there were great things happening. I loved, I had two assistant pastors. Um, it was, everything was fine. Mm-hmm. And we just got this feeling like something's up. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was a strange thing. The, the phrase that we used is it almost feels like we've got one good adventure left in us. What do you think the adventure is? I don't, mm. and I don't. In our hearts, we loved going to college at 30 and hanging out with college kids in that life. I just enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, and I've, Always, all through our ministry, we've always had, even if it's just a couple, we've always had a handful of college students around that we've just enjoyed being with. Yeah. And so we got thinking, what it would, I wonder what it would be like to pastor at a college church. That would be interesting. That would be a, that would be a really unique dynamic. And so we ended up having breakfast with the person who was my boss, my superintendent, and he was making a change in his life. Mm-hmm. And here's those weird things that happen again. <laughs> and he said, I'm, I, just, I just reached out to McPherson, Kansas, because the Free Methodist Church is open there. And we're having breakfast with them. And I kid you not, like I'm sitting across from my, I'm sitting across from my wife, and we both lock eyes and get this really weird kind of look on her face that we can't say anything because it's a job that he's applying for right oh yeah so i'm not going to say oh cool i'm going to apply for the job too i mean that just wouldn't be so we just sat on it and the church decided not to go that direction and i i just called the superintendent actually i called the superintendent's boss or it would be our bishop um who I had a good relationship with and just said, Hey, I heard that McPherson is open. I just have a question for you. Do you think my wife and I would be a good fit? That's 
Like I'm no big, I didn't ask a lot of questions. I just said, do you think we'd be a good fit? Mm-hmm. And within a couple hours, I had a call from the superintendent down here and, and we were really quickly making plans to do our first incognito visit just to check it out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we ended up leaving a church of 20 plus years where things were okay. Yeah. There was nothing wrong with it. It's just, there was something, there was something more. And there's so many, again, it's the story. There's so many different parts to all of that. Yeah. But, but yeah, so really quickly from a short amount of time where we were having breakfast, all of a sudden we're packing up and moving to Kansas. So that's awesome. So did you, did when you heard, um, your friend mention, yeah, yeah um, this church down in, McPherson, Kansas, did you know that the church was right next to a college campus or did you find that out when you came down and visited? Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. I knew it was the, I knew it was the church right next to the college. I didn't know how close it was. I'd never been here before. Okay. So like, I didn't know the setting, yeah. the scenario, the, the, I didn't know any of the background of it. It really was just a, oh, interesting. Let's let's. What if that's the place to look in? So, two people from from Michigan, their whole life. Um, <laughs> we started. It was funny. I, I had a favorite restaurant that we went to for breakfast. It was a cool restaurant, and the waitresses. We were we had just neat relationships, and like I never ordered. They just brought me a surprise when I came in. And, you know, it <laughs> was just fun. it was just a fun place. But we told them. We told them. You know, we're going to be moving to Kansas. And the one lady looked at me without hesitation. She looked at me and said, on purpose. (laughs) I mean, Michigan people have this stereotype of here's what Kansas is. It's completely flat, dry. I mean, we saw it on all the movies. We know exactly what Kansas looks like because we saw it on the movies and it's what Superman and Dorothy. That's, yeah, that's, that's what right. people think. They think Superman and Dorothy, right. Think Kansas. Right. And <laughs> man, when we drove down here, like uh, North Michigan is beautiful, woodsy rolling Hills kind of stuff. When mm-hmm. we came through the Flint Hills, I was in awe. I just, and even the flat part of the land, I just think this place is beautiful. I, I love Kansas. It's it's Kansas is a lot like Texas with its sunsets. It has a unique yeah. sunset because it just has a much longer horizon, so you get to see the sun. So that, right. that's one of the, the things, because I, I was born in Colorado and raised in Texas. So I went from kind of the wooded mountain, like um, the mountains and all of that, beautiful nature kind of scene to West Texas, which yeah. if you don't know anything about West Texas, <laughs> desert, yeah. nothing. It is just sand. I, I always make the joke that um, when I, I, I used to make the joke whenever I moved from t- West Texas, like what are these green things like around, like all of like in your yards and stuff. I think people call them trees. Yeah. yeah. Just cause, yeah. but but the one thing that I really appreciate now is the the beautiful sunsets, and I and I see that a lot here in Kansas too. Yeah. It's different, but it's it definitely has its own unique beauty to it. Right, right. Yeah, we've loved it. Yeah, we're going on. We're on our 
sixth year, starting our seventh year, which you mentioned earlier, you know, about the whole thing with pastors that move around too much. Mm. Statistically, they will tell you that it takes about seven years for the pastor's ministry to really start to be effective. Really? Seven years. So I'm just at the place where we're just getting our feet wet and getting <laughs> yeah. things figured out. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, I can I can see that you you take seven years and then you can really understand the town. Um, you can yep. understand your people and who you're walking with. You understand probably your staff, hopefully pretty well at that point, and right. everybody that you're, um, everybody that you're leading, everybody that you're being led by, and so yeah, seven years sounds like a good. Yeah, you mentioned that you grew up kind of in the church and your father was a pastor. Yeah. Um, can you share a little bit of how you came to know the Lord personally um, as your Savior? Yeah, yeah. So I came, I remember when that was probably in the junior high range where I realized that just being a good kid really wasn't what God was interested in. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that I could list off a bunch of different things that I didn't do that I wasn't supposed to do isn't what saves you. Right. And so I realized that just because my parents are Christian didn't mean I was a Christian. And mm. so somewhere in junior high is where faith started to be real to me. Yeah. And it took lots of journey and lots of growth and there's different events in life that cause you to wonder so am I really going to follow through with this whole faith thing um, <laughs> yeah yeah I am and so but yeah that's how it, it, it was it was somewhere in junior high age you know I, I don't have this I don't have this um, Paul kind of experience <laughs> yeah. you know where this big bright light or anything it was an awareness for me that you're not quite there yet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've noticed uh, a, a lot of times people will say, yeah, I don't have one of those top that testimony stories where it's yeah. like, yeah, I came from like, this, I came from doing hard drugs and I was right. in Miami and, um, you know, the, the people are like, no, no, I was, I was raised in a Christian home and yeah. I came to know the Lord at a fairly young age. But there's always kind of that element of, but I wanted Jesus for myself sort yeah. of thing. And I wanted to, I wanted my faith to be my own. And that's, I think that's a really important, um, that's a really important, you, you mentioned like, I can't, you know, my parents' faith isn't going to save me. Sure. And I, I just think that's a really important dynamic, especially here on a Christian, you know, Christian campus where, and you know, you, you can't see it cause this is an audio podcast, but I'm using air quotes when I say Christian yeah. because, because you can, you can go to a Christian campus and you can go to chapel. You can even, you know, open up your Bible. You can go to church every Sunday and still not know Jesus for yourself and still not love him and walk with him. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I feel like it's really dangerously easy to miss when you do have um, parents that are Christians and you are just kind of riding their faith. Sure. Um, and you, you know, maybe you come to a Christian college that's like, Oh, you're just kind of continuing on because it's like, oh, I'm a Christian, so I'm going to go here. And um, so, for those believers that um, are maybe 
maybe they're kind of beginning that journey of, oh, maybe, maybe I'm not, or maybe I wasn't quite there and I want to get there. I want to be more in that. Can you share a bit about your walk with Jesus, how you stay connected with him, how you stay anchored in your faith and in your walk with Christ? Um, yeah, boy, uh, staying anchored is, is something that is, <laughs> I'm, I'm wrestling with so many different directions this could go. <laughs> um, being, being solid with Christ is something that can't be attached to my circumstances. Mm, really important right now in, in COVID times. <laughs> So when I was a youth pastor and all of a sudden I couldn't see straight or walk straight and I started the process of diagnosis and I was diagnosed with MS, okay? If I was anchored in my job as a youth pastor, if I was anchored, anchored in my ability to do certain things physically, if that's what I was attached to, then my world would have gotten unplugged yeah but because you have christ as this foundation now instead of things shaking my world um my foundation remains strong even though things happen and things keep happening like there's still more stuff going on in my world physically my world physically has been something that I I have had to learn that my faith in Christ isn't attached to how I feel mm. or how things are going. My faith in Christ is attached to Christ. Um, so how do you do that? I think you I think you understand the weight of of how Christ is more than belief that you have but it is part of the dna that you live mm-hmm. yeah um it's not it's not a set of rules and there's so many stereotypes with church about what all the rules are and all the you know mm-hmm. all of that stuff there are certain things that i do or don't do um but it's not about rules or a fear that somehow I'll get kicked out or whatever. Mm-hmm. It is really just a, a relational basis of, no, God was with me when that happened. God was with me when that happened, and God was with me, and and he will be with me. So it's just a foundation that everything is built on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that is... That's absolutely beautiful because what what I I hear you're essentially saying is know Jesus, like relationally, like know him as a person. Yeah. And, you know, kind of like what you were saying, I think the more we know him, the better we know him, the, the, and the more we know what he's like, what his character is like and who Jesus really is, um, the more we'll want him, the more we're going to be attached to him and not our circumstances, not our, um, not our feelings. You know, if we're right. feeling like, if we feel like we're not a very good Christian or if we feel like we're a great Christian, 
our, you know, it, it, our, our faith isn't anchored in how we feel. It's anchored in who Jesus is. Right. So, so and, and here's a theory that I have that I, I, I don't know as though I can prove this. This is all <laughs> anecdotal in my head. Okay. Um, and I start with even the story of my wife and I. So my wife wasn't raised in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. She has a little bit more of that story of the stuff in life. Yeah. Um, like she was, uh, it's an unbelievable story how she was protected and the things that she didn't go through. She's just, she's one of my favorite stories. But I was the kid that was raised in the church. And so when she started coming to church before we were married or dating, and she started hearing about Jesus, she was overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And she couldn't believe how bored I was. (laughs) That really, in youth group, I was more concerned about flirting with her than I was about learning about Jesus. And she really wanted me to shut up and leave her alone because she couldn't believe, you mean Jesus did that? So my theory is, I think it's harder for those of us that were raised in the church that don't have those stories Mm -hmm. of all of that bizarre bad stuff that happened that is quote unquote terrible sin that you can never over, you know, it's harder for us to overcome our own pride Mm -hmm. and our own self-righteousness and have a solid walk with Jesus than it is for somebody like my wife to say, Wow, Jesus is amazing. I need him in my life so badly. And now I've got him and that's just great. You know, there's something about the church people tend to have an arrogance in their own journey. Mm-hmm. That I think is yeah. terrible. So I've actually heard I've heard a couple of different pastors talk on this idea that church people are becoming especially especially my generation like the I'm kind of in the middle of generations, so like Gen Z and millennials, like these two generations are really becoming inoculated to the gospel because you have all these kids that are growing up in church and they hear the the stories on Sunday morning. They hear all the the Bible stories from youth group and from um, from their children's ministry classes and all of this, and they hear it every Sunday morning in church um, in their you know, in, in big church or whatever. And they hear these things over and over and over again. And they, they just kind of go, yeah, I, I get it. I, yep. I'm used to it. You know, Jesus died for my sins, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, no, 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 no. Jesus died for my sins Please. and, and came back to life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and you have this whole generation of people that just shrug their shoulders and say, yep, that's it. And, and, and we just become inoculated to how incredible, how beautiful and how, how much we desperately need that. And so I, 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 I didn't grow up in the church. And so I, I feel honestly now I feel hugely blessed in a way that I didn't mm-hmm. for one thing because I can relate to non-believers on a much deeper level because I know what it's like to not have a relationship with the Lord yeah but I also grew up in a house that was nominally Christian so we would say yeah I, we're we're Christians and we would say that you know we would go to church on occasion um, but 
and heck, we we bought like every VeggieTales VHS right, that they right. had, and we you know, my my deepest theological understanding of God when I was a kid was God is bigger than the boogeyman, right? And he's bigger than Godzilla and the and monsters on TV. TV, good, good. <laughs> that was that was what I knew. Which but, is hard to which is hard to mix with. Where is my hairbrush? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, a little. You know, the the theology, Veggie Tales theology, can get really mixed up. <laughs> yeah, with, it can get a little, um, little muddy. <laughs> I remember those songs. Oh my goodness! My my family for years and years would just like we'd get the bunny theme stuck in our songs, mm. or we'd get our the bunny theme stuck in our heads. Yeah, and somebody would just sing it, and then the rest of us would glare at them because it would be right. stuck in the rest of our yeah, heads for now the rest. It's of, there. It was really funny. Yeah, um, but. When I came to know and understand who Jesus was, that he loved me. Yeah. After everything, all the mess of the person that I'd been and that he would continue to love me even when I do fail, when I do make mistakes and that he died for me to pay for the things that he took the punishment that I should have had, that he made it so that I can actually have a relationship with him and that he would continue to love me and walk with me and promise to never leave me and that he conquered death. Like just coming to know all of that for the first time and understanding that just rocked my world entirely. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I feel deeply, I feel deeply saddened when I see all these kids who are, you know, inoculated yes. and who really, you know, they, they, it, it's harder for them to get it. Right. Um, so right. Yeah. this is, I'm probably not supposed to say this as a pastor. <laughs> I get it. Why people don't want to go to church. I get it. Well, yeah, I yeah. I stand up there and I look at the faces of people and I watch their eyes glaze over as, oh, we're going to tell the Peter story again. And they could tell me everything about the Peter story. Mm -hmm. And people sit there with this, yep, I know this, yep, I know this. And so then what I'm, what I'm left with is somehow trying to be creative as if the gospel needed creativity added, like I'm going to do anything to make it. But I watch people sing songs and whatever songs you sing. I remember as a kid listening to people sing, um, since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy or my soul, like the sea billows roll, since Jesus came into my heart. And I'm looking at these crabby, <laughs> angry-looking people and as a kid thinking this doesn't add up and i'm standing on and i'm not just talking about church like my church today that i pastor mm -hmm. i'm talking about growing up in church my entire life mm -hmm. and looking at people's faces and we are not in awe of the story anymore mm -hmm. um we are bored with our own story of God's grace. And that's scary to me. That where you reach this place where awe, where there isn't, oh, we're about to go into the Easter season. And it's one of those times that people just glaze over and pastors wrestle with how do we say the same thing in a creative way? 
but it's the power of the story that is so creative. And we, yeah, I think as Christians, sometimes we take the whole thing for granted and, and we lose our sense of awe. And for that reason, I can get it why, especially so a group of college kids yeah. would come into a church and look around and say, really, this is what you have to offer me? Yeah, um, I, I we're missing it. We're we're just missing it. And yeah. so yeah. And you know, it, one thing you said about the creativity, I think there's when there is that boredom and that kind of complacency. I think beauty um, and the arts and creativity do play a big role in in breaking that up and breaking that apart. Yeah. Um, so you can be creative, but but what mm-hmm. you don't want to be is clever. Like, you know, you don't want to reduce the gospel into somehow something. Some cliche, like campy little phrase, like Jesus yeah. is pieces or something. I don't know. There's- yeah. And, and I don't want people, I don't want people to leave the Easter service thinking, wow, pastor, that was so much fun. That was great. Mm-hmm. I want people leaving the service knowing Jesus, not mm-hmm. Dave or not while well, that and, and I try and do creative things, but I always want creative things to stand behind who Jesus is. Right, right, and it, and it really is a you know the the sermon on a Sunday morning is really a challenge of letting everybody see how Je- how beautiful Jesus is, and trying to trying to communicate this is who Jesus is and this is how he's beautiful and this is why. And then trying to unveil the eyes of everybody who's kind of got the glaze over trying to pierce the glaze in a sense and show them that beauty again and let them like be empowered by that and let them draw closer to Christ because they see how beautiful he is and how much they want him. Yeah. 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 We keep trying, man. We keep trying and keep waiting for the Lord to do the next thing that he wants to do in our lives and in our churches and in our campus. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Dave. This has been an awesome discussion. It's been great kind of hearing your story here. and Good to visit with you, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for listening to the Faith Friday podcast. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. And thank God for Jesus.